0: Good morning, everyone. The reading for today is taken from John 3, verses 1 through 7. Here's what it says. Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. But the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. May God bless us all in the reading for this morning. Good morning, church. It's good to see you all here today. This month,
1: the month of July, our sermon series is called What We Believe About Our Salvation. And I'm going to turn on the screen first. Hold on. Commercial break. commercial break done, okay? So um, we understand that our salvation is very important. So this morning, what we're going to do is we're going to talk about a very important component of our salvation, which is baptism. Baptism is a very controversial topic in the Christian world today. It is controversial not because people doubt that it's in the Bible, On the contrary, everybody is is one in believing that baptism is a biblical concept. But baptism is controversial because Christians do not agree on what baptism means and its purpose for the church. That's where the controversy lies. Many religious organizations have their own beliefs about, about baptism, And their own reasons why they baptize people and not baptize people. So in short, baptism means different things for different people. But what really is baptism? That's what we're going to talk about today. So this morning, what we're going to do is we're going to allow and let God speak to us through his word. So that we can plainly see from the Bible what baptism is all about. So we are going to set aside our preconceived notions. And let the Bible speak to us today about the topic of baptism. So this morning, we're going to talk about the meaning of baptism. What is it for? What is the purpose of baptism? Why do we do it? And this morning, we're going to do that by looking into three passages that plainly, three Bible verses that plainly tell us what baptism is intended to be. In our scripture reading, that's one. That, that's the first thing that we're going to look into. We're going to see what Jesus Christ Himself intends baptism to be, and what the early church believed about baptism. We're going to see some of their writings about baptism. It's not Bible, but they did not. The early church fathers wrote, and they, they did not claim that they are, you know, that they are canon or that they are um, part of the Bible. They wrote claiming that they wanted to share and tell people about what Jesus Christ and the apostles have passed down to them. So we're going we're gonna to see what the early church actually believed about the meaning of baptism. The first thing, like I said earlier, that we're going to talk about is the fact that in the Bible, and the early church baptism meant membership into the kingdom of heaven baptism meant membership into the church so jesus christ in our scripture reading this morning in john 3 verse 5 says this jesus answered very truly i tell you no one can enter the kingdom of god without being born of water and spirit so uh jesus here the context is talking to nicodemus Nicodemus was a Jewish leader back in his day. He was a member of the Sanhedrin, the Jewish ruling council. The Sanhedrin has 71 members in it. And he was one of them. Nicodemus was one of them. He's he's up there. And he went to Jesus at night to talk to him. And Jesus tells him, If anyone, including you, Nicodemus, is going to be in my kingdom, in the kingdom of God... You need to be born of water and spirit. But Nicodemus did not understand this. Do you remember what his response was when he first heard this? He said, well, remember, he's a grown-up dude, right? He is grown-up. He's, um, he's, a, he's, a, he's one of the ruling members of the Sanhedrin. He's supposed to be a teacher. He should, be, he should, he should understand this. But he asked He said, well, Jesus, what are you talking about? Like, how can one be born again? How can an adult person be born again? How can they go back into their mother's womb to be born again? That doesn't happen. Many people today are also confused. Just like Nicodemus about what Jesus says when he says, it is a necessity that one be born of water and spirit to enter the kingdom of God. But this morning, we understand that water, the water that's talked about here, is the waters of baptism. It's the immersion into the water. But many people don't see it that way. Many people think water and spirit. they try to explain this away. In scholarship, if you look at everything that's been written about this particular verse alone, it's overwhelming that Jesus is talking about Baptism the immersion into the water that the early church also talked about. And we know this because we see the writings of those Christians that lived back in that in those days. And many of these Christians who wrote, they were actually they were actually discipled by the disciples, by the apostles themselves. Okay? And one such writing is from Cyprian of Carthage. And uh, Carthage is in North Africa. He was a leader of the church there in the in the, Carth- uh, in, in the church in Carthage. He wrote his work called *Treatise*, and he wrote it around the year 250 uh, AD. And he says this: "Unless a man has been baptized and born again, he cannot attain unto the kingdom of God." We know exactly that. What we saw, Jesus said in John 3, 5, is what the early church believed. There's many of these things out there that's written like this. When we get baptized into Christ, we enter into his kingdom. When we get baptized into Christ, we we, we, we become a member of his kingdom. To be a member of God's kingdom means we allow God to rule over us. That is how we get into the kingdom of God. That's why we say, Lord, if you are my God, if you are king over me, then I am in your kingdom. You rule over me. And the manifestation of the kingdom of God today and has been always since the church is the church. Because the church is the collection of people who have professed and proclaimed that God is Lord over their lives. That God rules over them so jesus is saying in this particular verse and is attested to by the early church fathers the early church themselves is that when we become we when we are baptized at the point of baptism we become members of this church and jesus says that it is a requirement that you be baptized of water and spirit for that happen for that to happen now We understand what water is. But what about spirit? How is one baptized or born of the spirit? That's what we're going to talk about in the second part of our lesson this morning. Number two. The early church, for them, baptism meant regeneration. Regeneration is a very important word. A lot of people are saying, well, what is regeneration? Why is this big word here? Why is is there a big word you know, in this sermon today, what is regeneration? To, uh, to, rege- to, to be regenerated means to be put back together and to be restored back to God. I remember the last time I preached, I talked about the number one thing, the number one problem in the world today. Do you guys remember what the number one problem of the world, of, 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 of people here in the world is today? Do you remember? It's sin. The number one problem in the world today is sin. Okay? And because sin is a problem, it's because because of sin, we are separated from God. We don't have a right relationship with God. You may be, you may think, we may all think that we're good with God, that after, you know, after we die in this world, we're going to go to heaven because, you know, we pay our taxes... We don't swear, not too much, we love our kids, you know we, we give to the poor, we give to the charities, you know, that we're going to be good. But if we have sin that's not forgiven in our lives, and only God through Jesus can do that, we don't have much hope. We are going to perish after, this, after our lives here are done, it is done. Now, Jesus Christ, uh, God through Jesus Christ has done something to make sure that we are sorted when it comes to our number one problem of sin. And we see that at the point of baptism. Let's look at the verse. Okay? We're saying here that at the point of baptism, God regenerates us through Jesus. God puts us back together, makes us whole makes us whole and, and, um, and restores us back to Him. Acts chapter 2, verse 38. We are told by uh, in, in Scripture, repent and be baptized. You see that? Baptized. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So... Look at the screen in front of you. There's two things that happens when we get baptized. Many of you have been baptized. When you got baptized, two things happened. Did you, can you guys see it? The first thing is that our sins are forgiven. Remember the number one problem that we have in the world? Our sin. Because of our sins, that, that it's there, not forgiven... Okay? It's, it's, it's there. Even if we've done it like 20, 30 years ago and we've forgotten about it. Even if it's just a little lie here and there. That's still sin that causes God, that causes us to be like, uh, to be objects of wrath of God. Okay? It says in here that as we get into the waters of baptism, we are forgiven. Isn't that an amazing promise? Isn't that an amazing solution that God has devised for us in our lives here today? But we have to, uh, we have, we have to, we have to go back first, though. Before we get baptized, according to this verse, we need to first repent. Do you guys see that? We've talked about repentance before, and you always see me do this when I talk about repentance. But I'll do it again in case you forgot. What is repentance? Repentance is this, literally. Before you meet Christ, you might be going this way. But then you met Jesus and you said, you know what? I'm going to repent. This is repentance. Repentance is not just, not just saying sorry for your sins. It's not just, not just feeling bad about the things that you've done. Repentance is changing your mind. If you're going this way, when you repent, you say, you know what? I'm not going this way anymore. I am now going this way, towards Jesus. Not towards there anymore, or there, or there, or there, or there, but towards there. Whatever beliefs, or values, or, or convictions I had before I met Jesus, I'm going to forget all of that. Blank slate. I'm going to go here now, to Jesus. Before we get baptized, we need to do that. A lot of times, people get baptized... Because it's like an insurance for them. They haven't really repented. They still intend to nurse the sins that they used to do before they met Jesus. But they wanted to get baptized. Why? Because they wanted to just have an insurance to say, well, I'm going to, when I go over here, I'm going to do all sorts of bad stuff, but I want to be baptized now because then I'm going to be forgiven. That is not repentance. Repentance. This is clearly taught, uh, this, this is clearly communicated to us by one of the church fathers. Look at, uh, his name's Tertullian. I know it's a weird name. You know, you don't name your kids Tertullian. That's how we know he's a church father, right? Tertullian. He wrote on repentance. He said, a presumptuous confidence in baptism introduces all kinds of vicious delay with regard, with regard to repentance. He says, when you look at baptism as like, as like, a, a, an insurance, that's it. It's a transaction. You're not going to repent. And he continues. For feeling sure of undoubted pardon of their sins, some meanwhile steal the intervening time and make it for themselves a holiday time for sinning. I know there's a lot of things in there. But it's his, Tertullian is saying, these people, before they get baptized, they said, you know what? Before From this time to when I get baptized, this time here, I'm going to sin as much as I can. Before I get baptized. Because I know when I get baptized, I'm going to be saved anyway. God's going to forget this whole thing that I did. It doesn't matter how bad it is. Because when I get baptized, I'm good. What does what does Tertullian say about that? He says, that should not be something that we do. Before we get baptized, repentance has to be there already. And it's, it's, we need to use that time for learning not to sin. And he says, how inconsistent is it to expect pardon of sins to be granted to a repentance which they have not fulfilled? It's like going there. So, well, I'm going to go. I'm going to be baptized. But really, I have not repented. How can God pardon us of those sins that we have not repented? It, it, it doesn't make sense. And then I like this analogy that he made at the end here. It says, this is to hold out your hand for stuff, for merchandise. Merchandise is like for, for an item at the store but not produce the price. Like, if we're not going to sacrifice, it's not going to work. It's not going to work. So, baptism is intended for believers who have repentant faith. And when that happens, at that point of baptism, forgiveness is given to us. And then the second thing that happens is that we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This is controversial as well, because many people look at this and they go, well, the Holy Spirit is going to give you a gift. But again, if you look it up, like even Google it, scholars agree that this means that the gift is the Holy Spirit. It's like, for example, um, on, on, on on somebody's 18th birthday, their parents gave them the gift of a car. It, the car did not give them a gift, right? The gift is the car. The same thing here. When you get baptized, you get the Holy Spirit as a gift because God saw it fit not, to just, for, not just to forgive us of our sins, but also to give His Spirit to us so that we can master sin. Because in and of ourselves, we can't do anything about sin. But with God... We can say goodbye to sin. We can properly, you know, repent and move the other way. So when we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, God is putting a seal of ownership onto us, saying, you are mine, you are mine, you are mine, you are mine. We see that in Ephesians 1.13. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were, marked in, you, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. And we understand that Jesus himself promised the Holy Spirit. Remember John 14, 15 to 17, before he ascended into heaven, uh, before he died, actually, when he was speaking with his disciples, he said, well, I'm going to leave this world. But when I do, there's going to be the one who is like me, another uh, advocate who will come to be with you. That's the Holy Spirit. And that's the promise of the Holy Spirit. And we understand here from these passages that we've been seeing that we get the Holy Spirit at that point of baptism. What an amazing promise that God has for us. Now let's look, this, let, let's look back to this. John 3 verse 5. We understand now what water is. That's the baptism that we've been talking about. And we understand what the Spirit has to do with that baptism. We just talked about it. When you get into the waters of baptism, your sins are forgiven and the Holy Spirit indwells you. That's why Jesus says, if anyone wants to come into the church, wants to come into my kingdom, they need to be baptized with water and Spirit. That is what it means. Plain and simple. Not not, not, not other things that explain things away. It's very specific. It's very simple. When we get baptized into the water, the Holy Spirit indwells us. And we are forgiven of our sins. Cyprian, who wrote in the year 250, wrote this. And it ties the baptism of the Spirit with the water baptism that we're talking about that Jesus instituted in John 3, verse 5. And thus, as our salvation is founded in the baptism of the Spirit, which for the most part is associated with the baptism of water. That is what we saw Jesus did in John 3, 5. That is what the early church believed in the years after Jesus Christ died. And it is true still for us today. Okay, let us not be confused about that because there's so many things out there. Let us not be confused. We need to really be one in our mind about baptism. Now, because Cyprian talked about baptism and salvation in the same sentence, right? Right there in the past quote that I did. The third thing that I'm going to talk to you about today is the fact that the early church saw baptism as salvation. I know this is not popular today because many people today think you know what for us to be christians many people teach this for us to be christians we don't need to do anything because we can't do anything even baptism it's not essential you don't have to be baptized because when you get baptized then you you're 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 undoing what jesus christ did on the cross when you get baptized you are spitting at the sovereignty of god you don't need to be baptized for, Christ to, for God to save you. Like, that is totally faulty. We understand that that's faulty. Because look at what, what uh, Peter says in 1 Peter 3.21. Baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you. Not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We are baptized, not because we wanted to take a bath and be clean there's a spiritual meaning and purpose for our baptism and we start we've seen that earlier we've seen that when we get baptized at least three spiritual gifts are given to us we enter into the kingdom of god okay we become members of the church we are forgiven of our sins and then we receive the, the holy spirit as a gift and because of these three things, we understand that baptism is essential in our salvation. We cannot explain that away. We don't have to. Because when we look at John 3, 5, okay, Jesus is talking here. We need to understand that salvation, according to Jesus Christ, requires that. Okay, but let, let us really, like, let, let us put it in context. We understand, preach, and believe that salvation that we are saved by grace through faith Ephesians 2 verse 8 okay by grace because Tyler eloquently told us today about the gospel that it is a gift from God like we don't understand why he did, he saw he saw fit to give us that grace we are not worth saving sorry i just did that i'm not angry okay I, that just happened we are not we are worth saving god gave us that gift grace of the salvation salvation is grace for us it is a free gift it's unmerited favor for us but we are saved by grace through faith when we see that when we see that salvation when we understand salvation when we see oh, oh when, when we heard tyler talk about what jesus did what god did through christ on the cross when we see that it calls us to respond You understand? We need to do something about that. That is where faith comes in. We need to access that by faith. See, faith in the Bible, in in the New Testament, is this word pistis. P-I-S-T-I-S. Pistis. That's faith. The verb, the verb form of pistis is pistuo. Okay? That's to have faith. So faith and to have faith. But what's unfortunate is in the Bible, in the English Bibles, when Pistuo is translated, it's not translated to have faith. You know what it's translated to for the most part? Believe. Like in John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, so that everyone who whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. That's Pistuo. That's to have faith, not just believe. It's a problem because in English, belief and faith are two different things. But in the Bible, it's one thing. Faith. To have faith. Belief is, is problematic because belief is only like here. When you believe something, you're not expected to do something about it. You just understand it. You just know it. But faith is different. Faith is belief in action. You actually have to do something about it. You can't just know it. You need to do something about it. James talks to us about that. James, in his epistle, he says, Show me your faith by your work. You know, show, you know, I'll show you my faith by my works. Faith without deeds, without works, is dead. Okay? So if we believe Jesus Christ, if we have faith in Him, then we will be baptized. When we believe in Him. That is what the early church did. When they believed in Jesus Christ, they automatically got baptized. They didn't even think about it. But today it's different. Or well, should I be baptized today? It's, you know, it's redundant to, to tell, to, to say back in the day, in the early church, baptized believer. They knew if you're a believer, you were baptized. It should be the same thing today. Okay? But many people, many people today do not believe that. Okay? But when we believe this, we say, Jesus I believe in you. I have. I put my faith in you. I will be baptized. You know what happens when that happens? Salvation is born in us. But what happens when we don't do it? What happens when we say, you know what? I'm not going to get baptized. We don't need it. I just need. When I believe in Jesus, many many people believe this. When I believe in, I just I just pray Jesus into my heart, and then I'm saved. I don't need to do any of this. But the Bible doesn't talk about praying Jesus into your heart. You know what the Bible talks about? It's right in front of you. The Bible talks about being baptized by water and by spirit. When we deny the power of baptism, you know what we're doing? You know what's happening? Danger is born. Why danger? Why danger? Why not salvation? Why danger? It's because we are putting our salvation in the palm of our little puny hands. Not in his hands, our own hands. We, 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 we endanger our salvation. That's what happens. You know, we're saying, well, you know what? I don't want to, I don't want to spit at God's sovereignty and what Jesus did on the cross. Well, you know what? Jesus said this, Matthew 28, 18 to 20. This is after he already died on the cross. He said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. I am sovereign, Lord. And because I am sovereign, Lord, I am commanding you. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Why? Or how? Well, baptize them because that's how they get into my kingdom. That's how you make disciples is when you baptize them. And then grow them by teaching them everything that I have commanded you. When we really listen to the word of God, things fall into place. That's what happens. Salvation is born in us. And that's what we want to do. Do you guys remember what... uh, This is the last thing that I'm going to talk to you guys about. Do you guys remember what uh, Vince talked to us about the last time he preached? He talked about repentance. It's essential, just like baptism, it's an essential part of our salvation. And when he talked about repentance, he talked about this guy the Syrian army commander. Do you guys remember his name? Naaman. And what's what's special about Naaman? He had something going on with his skin, right? He had leprosy. A servant girl from Israel told him in Syria, you go to Israel, you're going to get healed. So he goes to Israel. What does he do? He goes in front of Elisha, the prophet, and he's expecting Elisha to wave his hand like this. You're going to be healed and invoke God, you know, heal this man. But no, Elisha didn't do that. You know what Elisha did? He told him, there's the Jordan. Go over there, baptize yourself, immerse yourself seven times into the water. What did Naaman do or not do? He complained, didn't he? He was like, oh man, no, not doing that. He was angry. I'm not going to do that. Like, Elisha should have just waved his hand all over and healed me. But instead, he wanted me to do this stupid thing seven times in the water. I'm not going to do that. Besides, in Syria, the rivers there are way better than than the Jordan. I'm not doing that. But the servant girl told told him, do you really want to get well? Then you will do what Elisha told you to do. And so he did. So he did. He, he, he got into the water seven times and he's healed. Why did God do that? Consequently, for people today in, in, the, in this Christian world, why, why do people question? Why does he even want me to be baptized? What does that actually do? But we've seen what it does. It's not for us to understand. It's for us to do. If God said, you need to clap your hands five times and stomp seven times for you to be saved, then that's what we will do. But he didn't say that. He said, be baptized into Christ. And the early church believed that that very thing. Last quote from Irenaeus, written around 180. When we come to refute the Gnostics, we shall show in its fitting place that this class of men have been instigated by Satan to a denial of that baptism, which is regeneration to God. In this particular work, he's refuting the Gnostics who did not believe in baptism, just like many people today. And he said that this is not from God, this is from Satan, because baptism is regeneration to God. And when we deny baptism, we renounce the whole faith, he says in his work. For the baptism instituted by the visible Jesus was for the remission of sins. And I think there's another one, so I lied, I'm sorry. One last thing. Tertullian on baptism, the teaching is laid down that without baptism, salvation is attainable by none. And he ties it in to John 3, 5, our scripture reading today. This is chiefly based on the ground of that declaration of the Lord who says, unless one be born of water, he has not life. Brothers and sisters, the message today is that baptism means three things for us. As it means three things to the early church and through the apostles who wrote God's word. Membership into the church, into the kingdom of God. Restoration back into into Christ through the forgiveness of sins and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And salvation itself. If you are subject today to the word of God. Now is the time. Stand up. Come in front and feel and experience the salvation that comes only from God through Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. Do not wait anymore. Today's the day. If you did not plan on doing this, who cares? You have heard the word of God. Let God in. He's knocking at the door of your heart. Let God in as we stand up and sing the song of invitation.